Francis Heck. Real bad egg. Vegetables. Hector. Mr. Heck no fork. Heck's cooking breakfast. A valiant effort. Running with my uncle Heck. Hector. Hector Faulkness. Okay, Heck. Welcome to the Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers and, well, we sometimes think about burning the barn and running away for a while, maybe learn something about ourselves on the way. With me, as always, are Peter. Hello. And Bario. Hello. And I am Inon. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Uh, episode 9, let's talk about what we will be doing today. First, we'll start the episode by discussing characters that we find interesting from books, movies, whatever. We'll get to that in a second. We'll then move on to the main discussion, which will be about Hunt for the Wilder People by Taika Waititi, a well-liked New Zealandian indie movie from 2016. We'll close by briefly talking about what we'll do in the next episode, which is going to be our very first Journey Log episode, a Culture Quest special. Woohoo! Yeah. (laughs) And at the end of this episode, we're going to play the promo clip of Lady Justice Podcast, a podcast of a good friend of ours, uh, one of our biggest supporters, So stick around and give it a listen uh, right after the ending theme of this episode. And before we start, uh, a quick thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. We wanted to remind you that if you want to support us, the best thing to do that is just tell your friends about us. Uh, Maybe they'll enjoy the podcast. There's a link to our promo clip in the description. If you want to send it out, let us do the talking. And thanks again for listening. Uh, we wanted to talk about something that I, I thought was could be very interesting. Uh, we wanted to talk about characters we liked from uh, a movie, a book, a video game, wh- whatever it is. Could be any character, uh, any reason. If, uh, if it's a character that you like, a character you don't like, a character that stood out to you. Uh, who wants to start? Um, you should. <laughs> Lucky. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so I'll start. Um, my character... It's from a book I read recently. The character's name is Nina Kolikova, and she appears in the book A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls. It came out in 2016, and she's a secondary character in the book, um, but I found her to be one of the, the best characters I came across in, in recent time. So I'll just give a bit of background about the book. It's a novel. The story is set in Russia at the I think it starts at around 1920, and the hero of the book is Count Alexander Ilyich Rostov. He is arrested for being a social parasite by the um, um, communist regime, and, well, there's a death sentence hanging over his head, but because he's a count, because he's part of the aristocracy, and the fact that he wrote a poem a few years earlier before the, the, the book started... The, the poem kind of supports the, the new policy that, that, that was set in Russia at the time. So the count is sentenced, instead of, of uh, being executed, he's sentenced to uh, spend his life imprisoned in a luxurious hotel called the Metropole in Moscow. I think he, he is imprisoned at around the age of 20 or 30, and he spends his entire life uh, in the hotel. And from the moment he first speaks, like the the book opens with his sentencing and everything he says is just charming and delightful. And like from the moment he's introduced, you kind of feel warm towards him. You know, he's he's a very interesting character. And well, uh, we see him enter the hotel and starts his confinement there. And, you know, obviously, even even though it's a luxurious hotel, uh, it takes a while for him to get to, used to living there. 
And, um, well, his life kind of become dull and boring. Then the count meets Nina. Uh, when they meet, she's a nine-year-old girl. She's very interested in the aristocracy. She wants to learn how to be a princess. Nina, Nina is in the hotel because her father is temporarily stationed there. She doesn't go to school because any moment her father can, you know, pack things up and leave. Uh, so she, she does her schooling at the hotel. Um, she's stuck at the hotel in a way kind of like the count. Like she feels imprisoned in there. She, she's very interested in the count. She realizes he has some experience with life uh, of nobility. And uh, slowly they kind of become friends and both are better off for it. She learns a lot from him about the world and he gets to have a friend and they start exploring the hotel, having little adventures and stuff. It's very cute. And now she is the very first sign, I think, uh, that, that life in the hotel can be more than what they superficially seem to be. Like everything seemed to be dull and, and boring until she came along. And from there on, the Count kind of finds ways to enjoy life, even though he's in prison in a way. What I really liked about her is that she's very inquisitive. She's very smart. She doesn't take what he says at face value. She's always trying to get to the bottom of his thoughts. And in a way, she, she challenges and excites him, which is something he's totally missing. And during his, their adventures together, they explore the hotel. They find places they're not supposed to get to. Um, and Nina, I, I don't remember how she came to own this key of the hotel that opens every door to the hotel. It's a master key to the hotel. that I don't remember how she got it, but, you know, it's, it's a very useful tool when you're exploring a hotel. And it kind of feels like both the characters kind of open doors in each other's lives, you know, turning them from small and cramped to something more elaborate and colorful. And I think her role in the book is to teach us more about the Count. Like, she's an opportunity for the Count to reveal more about his past and his values and opinions. And everything she says is so interesting and funny. The, 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 the whole book, every character, every secondary character is just written so well that you just want to know more about them and she is she has this mixture of seriousness and childishness which like I really enjoyed I really enjoyed reading like every scene that she was in I really was excited for her and um, the book takes place over a long period of time like I said it follows the years of imprisonment of the count so we see her grow up and become an adult and I'm not gonna say what happens to her in the book but I found her to be one of the most interesting characters I've read about uh, in recent time and like every time I think about her and what happens to her in the book I kind of stop and uh, just daydream about her story and kind of go over it in my mind uh, like she really hypnotized me you know mm -hmm. you guys haven't heard of the book right i haven't uh, no. i think they're turning it into a tv series now with um uh, kenneth branagh which is supposed to be very talented Ooh, but cool. i don't think i'm gonna watch it oh yeah i love kenneth branagh hmm. yeah yeah he's very very talented um anyway i really like the character like her whole story is told in the book like there's nothing more to expand about her i, I gotta say it's interesting because what, what you liked about her is how active she is and how she, she her interactions with with other other characters yeah uh like her childishness is also kind of attractive in a character because you know you always want to feel young and having a mixture of seriousness and childishness and challenging like the character that you know is the hero and the smart one but she's not opposed to him you know i i felt it was um an elaborate way to to tell the story i loved it um who, who want to go next all right i'll go um my one is a superhero there goes 30% of our audience. Um, 
<laughs> but um, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, the person I chose or the character I chose was Daredevil or Matthew Murdock. And I'm specifically talking about the... Um, ben the- Affleck version. <laughs> Oh, he's wonderful. Just wonderful. <laughs> Just Meryl Streep wonderful. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Enjoy your fun. <laughs> um, no, I'm talking about the one played by Charlie Cox on the Netflix series. Have you guys, like, hmm. heard of that one? You obviously have. No. No? You haven't? No. I, I mean, I've heard about Daredevil, but no, I didn't know he had a Netflix series. Oh, really? Okay. I think I knew, but uh, I, I never got to watch it. I think I think I got too scarred from, from Ben Affleck's. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. That's, <laughs> that's totally fair. Although, I've, I don't know if Ben Affleck was the worst part of the movie, but uh, probably a discussion for another time. So, hopefully yeah, when I'm dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the Daredevil series on Netflix is incredible and i was in sort of like a skeptic camp i I just hadn't seen it i was like oh i don't know about this netflix thing like i wasn't that pumped for it and i only got to watch it once season two came out and i ended up binging the first two seasons because one of my friends was like oh it's really good and he was like berating us to watch it and then me and a few other friends to watch it and then we eventually caved in, we watched it, and now we just pretend that episode where we didn't actually like it never existed. So, um, <laughs> I fan from the beginning. <laughs> um, but the best thing about Matthew Murdoch is he has legitimate weaknesses. Like, I've been watching so many superhero movies, superhero TV shows, where it's just, it's just the same formula played out where there's a challenge the hero rises to meet the challenge, defeats the bad guy, and episode over. But the thing that separates all of the Netflix Marvel series from like any of the non-Netflix sort of TV shows is it takes place over a, like one arc takes the whole season and it's a proper arc. You might have like an episode based in just one setting. There's no beeline plot. It's just one long conversation that might be an hour. Hmm. And it's the most unique experience actually watching like the 13-hour series and getting to like the satisfaction at the end of the series because it hasn't all been just rainbows at the end of every episode like not there's not a resolution at the end of every episode it sometimes it takes like three or four episodes to get any sort of um, respite and daredevil's character is just perfect for this sort of series because um, in case people don't know daredevil is essentially it was a kid that was blinded in an accident depending on what origin story you pick but it was a yeah. sort of like a chemical spill as it always is um <laughs> and he lost his lost his sense of sight but all his other senses were like heightened to a thousand percent so it gives him sort of a unique power set to the point where like if you imagine like regular blind people might be able to do like the click thing where they're just like finding their direction um, I'm recording in mono, so you won't get that nice little effect <laughs> that I just did. But um, <laughs> they have what's known as like a radar sense or something like that. So it's like a proximity sensor, but 
Daredevil essentially has a proximity sensor on steroids. So he can, he's like a master at Kung Fu and martial arts and he can, he just senses where people are. So if he walked into a room, a fully blind person, so he can't actually see anything, he would know where everything is. So if he's taking on bad guys, he knows where to throw his punches. He knows when to duck. He knows if someone's got a gun and stuff like that. And it's just incredible. And um, not only does he have radar sense, but he has um, like his sense of touch is, is heightened as well. So he doesn't need Braille to read things, although because he's um, sort of a vigilante in disguise, he still uses Braille, but he can actually just read with the print off a page, like a regular book he'll be able oh, to. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, huh. he's like, a lot of it is sort of, it's based on reality. So it's not flying or anything like that, but it's obviously very much sort of exaggerated for the point of obviously amusement. But um, he's got also sense of um, a sense of smell, which is heightened. So he can, if someone walks in, he'll be like, hmm. That's a nice cheesecake. Oh, you put a bit too much like milk in it or something like that. You know, like it, it, it's so he, you get a lot of comedy because even though you're watching the series like constantly, because obviously Netflix dropped them back to back to back these episodes. So they usually just drop the whole season and say, oh, there you go. There you go. Just, you know, there goes your weekend. But um, <laughs> so even though like you're watching it usually back to back or at least three or four episodes at a time, you still kind of like, you just forget about his abilities. So when he uses them, it's so surprising and it's constantly surprising over all the seasons. Hmm. Um, just like the new ways they learn to use his powers. So as the writers are learning how to, how to use his powers, obviously he's using to learn his powers. So it's... Oh, that's interesting. It's It's pretty cool. So that alone, I would recommend it, but... The acting is superb and all the sets are amazing. The fight scenes are very realistic and they have minimal sort of um, cutting between different different angles and stuff like that. Like quite a lot of the scenes are just one take, which is really cool. But without getting too much into a review of just the series, I think the thing that makes Daredevil the best is he's flawed in ways that aren't overcome every episode so in the latest season he's sort of grappling with his christian faith which is very interesting and it's often dealing with relationships like people who don't want him to fight crime because obviously it requires him to you know take justice into his own hands he's a lawyer which obviously lawyers usually have trust in the law whereas a vigilante is sort of a tacit distrust of the law and or at least distrust of how the law is being implemented. So a lot of the a lot of his battles are not on physical terms, they're more emotional and it just really works. You sort of have to see it to understand a little bit, but the sort of the the interesting powers get you in the door, but then the brilliant sort of character development that he goes through, um, hmm. that keeps you watching more. So yeah, he's probably probably my favourite superhero um of this i don't want to say this decade which got into 2020 but <laughs> definitely last like five or six years where we've just had sort of repeated outings of you know sequels and stuff like that this is like the most innovative thing i've seen in that sort of space 
and he's been cancelled. So, um, oh no, really? <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a story about it. You guys have heard of Disney Plus? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, as soon as Disney Plus was announced, they sort of started cancelling or culling the um, Netflix series with um, Marvel characters. So mm. I- I'm pretty sure he'll come back to Disney Plus, but. I think in the agreement they said they couldn't use the character for about 24 months. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a bummer. And I don't know if this was part of the contract, but the way they were saying goodbye to the character, it wasn't like, oh, don't worry, guys, we'll be back on Disney+. Plus." It was like more of a legitimate bye, like sort mm-hmm. of goodbye to the character. So I don't know if they did that just just to get viewers but um it was it was more it was more final than I thought it would be so um I'm kind of concerned but um yeah in fact I think there's a petition online if we can find it maybe I'll I'll find it but there's like a save daredevil petition it was out yeah. a couple of years ago or maybe it was a year and a half ago so might be a bit late but um see what we can do well we're we're convinced just send it over we'll yeah. we'll sign it did you read the comic books I have a Daredevil um, comic. I do forget the name. It's um, it's the man in something. I think it might be by Frank Miller. Would you say the, the, the character in the Netflix show kind of resembles or kind of changes a lot from the comics? Or uh... Okay, um, I've just found it. It's called Daredevil. Just called Daredevil by Frank Miller. I guess you could call it the man without fear. I think there's like another printing. Um, but no, it's not the same. I think the core essence of the character is but there's just different character it would be confusing if you try to like go off that but i would recommend the comic and i would recommend the tv show but mm-hmm. they're not at all sort of connected i guess a lot of comic books like i didn't read a lot of comic books i read a few batman books and every writer can take the characters wherever he wants i guess so and, and give them a different feel and maybe not a different um set of values but you know different kind of uh character type in fact, Superman always runs into this problem because he's just unbeatable, or mostly unbeatable. People find it hard to write good stories for him because they don't know what they should put up against him. So the best <laughs> yeah. best Superman stories are one where he's sort of battling his own sort of doubts and stuff like that. So um, oh, That's interesting. More psychological stuff. Whereas Daredevil still has all those arcs with him trying to... Um, battle sort of his own demons um in fact daredevil is sort of like since he since he's sort of a christian character the theme of demons sort of comes up um in the comics quite a bit but um he still goes through the superman sort of treatment he still gets all these really down-to-earth problems yet he's also a down-to-earth character whereas superman's literally an alien (laughs) so um yeah it's just a really good fit and um, the TV show, I'm not sure how people that are like um, really sort of tied into the comics feel about the TV show, but I would I would assume it's pretty good. Like some people are pretty nitpicky about if people rename characters and stuff like that, but I think yeah. the essence of the character sort of um, stays the same. Yeah, you gotta know how to look past that. Yeah, it's easy to be a little bit snobby about it, like because I know because I've read a, a lot of Batman. So when I see a new Batman, your first thought is like, mm, how can I criticize it? But um, <laughs> I think it's just something that you just get over, you know, anything more of the character is usually good, you know, unless they're completely destroying his legacy, which they usually, usually not the case. 
you just gotta treat it as everything's a bonus so yeah barrio what about you what, what, what have you got for us well we got a book we got a tv show i'll go for a movie and maybe it's a bit cliche but i will go with darth vader and, and luke skywalker because i think Ooh. i think i think that luke skywalker is a very interesting character but you can't really understand why if you're not like really comprehending the exact journey that darth vader also goes through um i think i might be in this camp actually i don't really understand the whole trajectory of luke mm -hmm. i understand maybe the trajectory of vader a little bit more because it's so obvious where like the change is so obvious but luke you might have to spell it out a little bit more yeah so just before I, I get into it, I think that one of the interesting things is that the movies actually don't, I don't think they really succeed in getting the exact journey that his character is going through. Like, I definitely did get it in the first watch. And and okay. only after reading a bit around it and, and like understanding a bit more about the Star Wars universe, then you kind of, you start to grasp the, the challenges that the character faces and the significance of some decisions over over other so so like basically if, if we'll take it like um by the way a lot of spoilers are ahead of course uh, you know i'll just go over it really quick in episode one you you first like notice someone called anakin skywalker and he's very very promising but like there's uh, like from the first episode you get that there is something kind of wrong with him. He's he's got a lot of fear. He's is um, but you know like fear, which is kind of something that you would associate with with the uh, protagonist, because like he's he's afraid for his mother and he's afraid for his friends and and he's really caring. But you know the the Jedi Order, which is you you tend to think it's the ultimate good, but they're kind of like saying that you gotta repress those those feelings. Like uh, you, they're very stoic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> how it all connects. Um, yeah, they're very stoic. They're, they're very zen in in a way that you know that that it shouldn't affect you and um, and you and you have to accept things and, and not get too attached. And and Anakin is is like very into it. And you see, it like while he's he's growing up, he's he can't let things go, and he falls in love, although he shouldn't. And eventually, he's like faced with this dilemma that he's going to lose everyone he loves. And that uh, fear of, of losing, that kind of pushes him uh, literally to the dark side because, you know, that's like the two um, polars that you got in the Star Wars universe. You got the light side and you got the dark side. And the dark side is someone who who's so attached that he, he can let go and have to get involved and not necessarily do things for for the greater good i think you also understand in the process that things aren't black and white and their separation of, of uh, dark side and light side are also a bit uh, off but i think the main thing is that like the character can't face that dilemma that difficulty he can't let go of the fear and eventually when like he does horrible things in order to prevent like something that is inevitable um, and he falls into the dark side and eventually he destroys everything he loves and Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader and, and that's like the character that we all uh, know and love yeah. who's very cruel, who's very cold and, and very obedient, by the way, to his the, the Emperor that is not only his master and his, but also like probably the guy who ruined his life. Mm. And then you get Luke Skywalker and, and once you understand Anakin... 
then Luke is kind of very similar, but very different in a lot of ways. They come from the same place. They start with like very humble beginning and they get like this promise that they will become a Jedi Knight and, and that's very special to them and they're very motivated and they want to wanna go do it. And and in a lot of ways, you know, I won't get through the entire movies, but eventually like also Luke stands in the same dilemma like there's um this scene that i never quite understood until uh, the, the the significance of until I, I got a little deeper the i think the final scene where uh, luke is with the emperor in the same room and darth vader is also there and the emperor tells luke to look out of the window and and luke sees how all of his friends are gonna get murdered um like in a in a starship battle or something like that which they obviously don't have a chance and he's like in the same position and again he can throw everything because of his his fear and you don't get it you know from the 70s movies but luke is kind of doing this huge step of not necessarily letting go but not not surrendering to his fear and and that's i don't know i kind of um, when when i finally understood it, it kind of made everything like awesome because you know that universe is so big the the characters are so diverse and when you kind of see how they uh, complement each other then um I, I really like you know how the characters were built hmm. yeah it's funny how interesting i find the story to be and the characters to be but It took me a lot of uh, times to watch it and uh, a lot of reading and researching to understand the characters. Like, they really don't tell the story that well, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I think in uh, pretty much all of the movies, you know, the original trilogy, the newer trilogy, and the, well, don't let me get started about the, about the newest <laughs> trilogy. But, um, <laughs> like, they kind of, I don't know, I, I'm not entirely sure why it doesn't work, but it doesn't. I love Star Wars. I'm not crazy about the movies. Everything around it is great, but the movies aren't that good. Yeah. Um, they're fun. They're fun adventures, but they're not great in telling the story. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you guys, you guys are just stepped into the ringer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I think we kind of brought it in a balanced way, I think. I hope, listeners, please don't kill us, because we do like the story. We, we love it. We think it's brilliant. But the movies, something there is not quite... Something's off. Yeah. That's your life raft because you've at least seen it many times. Above average, I would say, like amount yeah, of times. So definitely. you have some sort of shareholding into the Star Wars franchise, which is better than just tearing it down because you've only seen it once and didn't like it. So you've got that going for you. But still, I mean, when this podcast breaks up, I'll... I guess I'll be free, so uh, <laughs> accepting invitations. <laughs> you should add a dis- disclaimer at the beginning, like uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the saying and statements of uh, the people does not represent the whole uh, uh, culture quest, uh, formal opinion. <laughs> I'll just quickly mention again the Machete Order. We talked about it in a previous episode, but I don't think I've linked to it, so um, I'll, I'll link to it this time. It's just... A, kind of a different order to watch the movies. To me, it brought out a lot of the character traits that I missed. So I'll, I'll link to it. Just go and check it out. Look it up. Yeah, I haven't seen Star Wars enough. I think I've seen everything only once except for The Last Jedi, which I saw twice because I saw it once. I forgot I saw it. I saw it again. And only towards <laughs> the last 15 minutes, I was like, wait a second. I've seen this movie. So I don't know how memorable it was. <laughs> um, in fact, the second time I watched it, I actually didn't mind it. It was actually okay. Really? I, yeah, I thought it was okay. But it's funny because if I watched it once and I just didn't remember it, 
it's weird that I went from not remembering it all to actually not minding it. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, whatever you think of that. But um, you know, I definitely haven't seen them enough to sort of poke holes in the um, lexicon of opinions. So um, I'll just have to take your word. You know, we grew up in a world with six Star Wars movies and everyone knew that episode one was the worst, was kind of the infamous episode. But it's it's not that way anymore, I think. I, I never thought I'd say it, but there's a worse Star Wars than episode one. It's episode eight, but like it had the, the beautiful shot of the, the little spaceship just went through the entire fleet or something. A beautiful yeah, yeah, silent yeah. shot, black and white, I think it was, or just minimal colors. It, it was beautiful. And the movie had, you know, a few okay bits, but like... In the context of Star Wars, it just failed, I think. Yeah. Just awful. <laughs> uh, cool. So we all saw this past two weeks, the movie called uh, The Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, Taika Waititi movie. Let's, let's, I think we can give a pretty brief summary of it. A story about an adopted boy, kind of an antisocial adopting uncle, that are kind of running through the New Zealand bush, kind of surviving in nature and being tracked because people think that um, the uncle kind of molested the kid, although he definitely (laughs) did it. And they're just, you know, uh, living the New Zealand bush gangster life. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and become best friends in the in the way. Um, I love how you summed it up because he was simultaneously being suspected of being a molester or something like that, and they're sort of just having a jovial camp out and stuff like that. Like it's 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 this weird tone where they're in the wilderness, they're running from the police. It's a manhunt, and there's obviously a molestation claim against the (laughs) uncle but it's just set in such a comedic tone that you forget you forget that this is like a terrible situation and it's like a it's like when you lose a kid at like a carnival and the kid is just running around having the best time he's like haha my parents can't find me and then um the parents like stressing out it's like the worst moment of their life because that's such a good way to put it they've <laughs> they've combined the, <laughs> the the best parts of both of those scenarios like the stress but also like the comedic aspect of it and just slam them together and it just works I, like already giving away my opinion but it just it's such a weird tone but um it just works yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I think the theme of the movie, like if you if you kind of look at it from like a, a wide perspective, like take a step back and think of it, I think the theme of the movie is kind of um, big and strong versus small and weak. Like Ricky, uh, the kid who's being adopted, he's kind of a helpless kid. He's lost in a scary system, the child welfare system, and heck, the, the uncle. Um, or Hick, they they say Hick instead of Heck. I don't know. Um, it's it's like that their E's like how you would usually say Heck. They say like Hick, so like yeah. they are saying E, but they just say it in a stupid way. So yeah, <laughs> I'm allowed to say it. I'm anyway. Australian. So. <laughs> <laughs> Australians like to like criticize New Zealanders, but if someone else like who's like from Europe or something criticizes New Zealanders, it's like hey, that's that's our friends. <laughs> So, <laughs> it's weird. this weird, this weird relationship. 
Uncle Heck um, is a kind of a lost man, afraid of being part of something bigger of society. And the theme also is in their story, like they're both lost in the mighty bush, you know, they're, they're two small people fighting against nature. And I thought there was kind of an interesting dynamic between the characters here, because like, I think that Ricky, he isn't the typical hero character, you know, because, which I'm not saying that's wrong or anything. I thought the movie worked great, but I, th I found it interesting because usually the hero grows and changes and learns something that impacts his values. And on the surface, Ricky starts as this impossible little kid that doesn't get along anywhere. And he ends up being like this loving little goof. But if you think about it, I think this change happens really very early on in the movie, like almost after uh, he meets Bella and she puts a hottie uh, in his bed because, um, like, we learn that he's a bad kid from Paula in the beginning of the movie. And throughout the movie, we, we see that everything else she says and everything else she does is very exaggerated and wrong, you know? So maybe what she says about him in the beginning of the movie, that he's a rotten, he's a little bad egg, uh, egg is, is just wrong, you know? And she is the only representative of the child welfare system the message here is that, like, at least in the movie's world, the system is kind of broken and not the kids, which uh, it's it's an idea that pops up again later in the movie. And, like, the biggest transformation Ricky went through is that now he can manage a bit of nature. Like, he does learn to rely on other people, which he would avoid at first, but I think he would have learned that from Bella anyway, because he, he really opens up to her at the beginning of the movie. Like, he really shows love and kind of... He becomes this lovely little kid even before anything happens in the movie. So I don't know how much of a transformation he went through the movie. On the other hand, Hector, uh, Uncle Heck, he kind of goes through a bigger transformation. He starts as this loner, as a closed-off guy. You know, throughout the movie, we'll learn he's afraid of being rejected by everyone around him. He thinks that because he did time in prison, people will always, uh, will always have a stigma uh, attached to him. And um, he's kind of afraid of being a part of society. And Bella is obviously very accepting of him, so he kind of lets her in. And at the end of the movie, he ends up getting over his fears and weaknesses, which is, you know, a sign of a hero and opens up to Ricky and other people. Like, I don't think the Ricky is not a hero or the hero of the movie. And maybe he and Heck shared the spot of the hero. But I think Hector went through more of a transformation. That, that that's my quick analysis of the movie. What are you gonna think? Yeah, I, I think I I completely agree. I think um, it feels l like the beginning is very promising about his his uh, transformation, but then it goes poof, and and he's already this. You know, it starts when when he doesn't say a word, like he's in complete silence, and he doesn't shut up ever since. Uh, like he the, he tries to run away from from his house, and then he just opens up and keep talking. All the time, um, and yep. and um, and he's very open. He's very he's he's talking a lot about the the gangster life and the uh, how's it called? Nux flux. Um, Scux. 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 Right. S K U X. Peter, have you heard of this uh, this Scux thing before, or is it the New Zealandian thing? Yeah, I have. It's like I really like this movie, and the only thing I kind of didn't like is that. <laughs> So, I don't even know really what Skux is. It's kind of just like a millennial way of saying, like, very cool, very hip. Yeah. At the 
first adopter of anything cool, you know? Really? Um, I kind of thought it was like a thug life. Yeah, it was kind of like thug life, and it, it's kind of an all-encompassing word for thug life and gangster and cool, and, you know, like, people say bad, but they actually mean good. I oh, think it's geez, bad. Yeah, people, just ignore whatever on. I said before. That's that's what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like thug life. Um, the reason I don't like it is it's sort of going to date the movie. Like, it, it's because, like, even when I saw it, it's a 2016 movie, and I'm watching it in 2019. I couldn't appreciate the joke because all I was thinking was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And it kind of just undercut the joke. And I started thinking mm-hmm. about the joke and wh- when people said it. And that's probably not what they were going for. I think they were going for like, ha, that that's funny. Like, you know, um, that's something I would say. But all I thought was just, oh, yeah, when, when did we used to say that? Like, it was just an hmm. unnecessary sort of thing. Like, it would have just been cool to leave it, but I understand it's sort of part of his character as well. I'm, I'm kind of torn, actually, because, like, it's like a really imperfect way to end the movie, if you get what I mean. Like, it's like, if your life was a movie, right, you wouldn't want to say Skuck's life. You'd want to say, like, something, like, that has a grain of wisdom in it. You know, you would want to say something that, like, if you were being filmed, you, it would be like a cool thing to say and like a legitimately cool thing to say, not skucks. So it's actually sort of like it's a nice part of this movie that they put it in because um, it's it just shows like the imperfection of like nothing is like what you want it to be. Like if you had to like have a speech or something like that at someone's funeral, you wouldn't talk about like uh, snacks and stuff like that at someone's. It's just like sacrilege like turned upside down you know mm-hmm. so i don't know how i feel about skuck's life it's like it's fun it kind of took me out of it but i guess it's meant to be really stupid the movie's meant to be stupid sometimes so yeah i, I experienced it by the way i've never heard that word skucks so it kind of i i didn't really know what to think of it but what it made me feel and and, and maybe I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it kind of made me feel a uh, uh, distance towards the character, right? It it made me feel that um, this Rick, Ricky is uh, this kid who is completely different from me, and heck, he's also very different from me because he's very he's a loner. He lives in the woods. He ki- he hunts and kills stuff. He he can't read, so like you get this really not only very different to people. But the typical watcher is also very different from both those characters, and and that's and that kind of creates an interesting balance because you're all different, and and you will get close to the characters throughout the movies, not because of their personal traits, but because of what's happening. I know that's that's kind of how I experienced it, and and the and the Skucks life thing was kind of like like it emphasized it for me i couldn't relate it was it was weird but in a good way i mean i think that was kind of the point not to relate to it i have no idea what i think anymore (laughs) (laughs) i really loved bella's character which she, she obviously was written to be this very positive very very loving character so you'd feel the loss of her when she died at the beginning of the movie and you'd be able to kind of identify with the character more but like I, I, I like I know that's a role she's playing, but she was just perfect, you know. She was she wasn't strangling. She was loving. She was just wonderful. She was part of this movie for like the first ten, fifteen minutes, except you know she was a, a, a symbol later in the movie. But like her herself, she was just 
She, I, I want her to be like my grandma or something. She, she's just great. I loved her. Yeah, she was great because she was kind of like just a spring. Like she always came back. Ricky would say something stupid or insensitive, and then she'd, you know, she'd just take it like a sponge, and then she'd just say, "Oh yeah, I'm back tomorrow." Like happy attitude. Like she didn't hold a grudge. So like, yeah. I felt like it just made it so much worse when she died because. Spoilers, um, because I think he just grew accustomed. Like, oh, she'll always be there, you know. Like, even if I'm not my best self, she won't hold it against me. She'll be there the next morning to say hi and stuff like that. But yeah. so when she went away, it was just like, oh, when are you coming back? You know, like it, it's just such a loss. So yeah, she really brought the good of out of him, and maybe out of Heck. I don't know. We we don't really see their life together, but uh, yeah, you could imagine that Heck was Hick. Hick. Was <laughs> I feel like Hick was like probably a little bit like Ricky Baker. Maybe he didn't get the chance to be as stupid because he went to jail and he probably yeah. had to toughen up a lot quicker. So that's probably why he has, resents a little bit what Ricky's doing because he's saying, well, I probably didn't get that chance to be stupid. But I think after that, I think he he knows like he was in, he was in a rough spot as well and Bella got him out of it. So I think from Bella's perspective, I think Hick and ricky are kind of uh on different um different parts of the same track yeah he also said in one part of the movie that bella kind of took uh, all those um you know abandoned uh, people uh, into her life yeah she wanted to rescue them or something like like lost dogs or something which also was a very very i don't know a touchy moment for me i really liked it he really appreciated the fact that she accepted him i really loved yeah. it and it was also nice that, like you got uh, this um, kid who everyone in his life left him you got this man that can experience the same they're with two dogs they probably found around that were also abandoned and they're talking about like this woman that also didn't have a family until they brought them all together um yeah hmm. it was a nice scene what did you guys think of the score or um as all normal people say the soundtrack i don't know it, it's hard for it's hard for me to to listen to the to the score um during the movie because like i'm i'm really focused on um so but but i'd love to hear your thoughts about it i i, I just know that the band that uh, did the music i think they're called moniker but if you go to their wikipedia page they have a different name there i don't really remember wh what it is but i know that they worked with this is the third movie they've worked with taika Waititi. so um oh really okay uh, i didn't they're know like that. the house yeah. band yeah <laughs> that's cool what that's do you think cool. about it um i didn't know that but i did um have a look on spotify and it's um on spotify it's moniker at least so m-o-n-i-k-e-r and like, it kind of reminded me of Pink Floyd a little bit. I think I said that to you guys, like, during the week. I'm like, wow, I thought it was Pink Floyd. And then, because I'm like, I like Pink Floyd quite a bit, but I haven't listened to every album. So, and I know they have a lot of later albums, which are quite instrumental. So, I was like, hmm, maybe, like, maybe, I, I couldn't imagine them getting the rights for it. So, I just looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, it's all by, like, mostly by one band um, called Monica. And it's just, like, a really... It had this like futuristic space kind of vibe. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, which was weird because obviously it's such a. It's like it's set in the wilderness, and it, again, it kind of reminded me of um, just how it's like such a serious situation, and then they were just cracking jokes like Skuck's life all the time. I guess that's actually a bad example because Skuck's life was like towards the end. But you yeah. know, they're they're constantly like messing around with these bad guys and stuff like that <laughs> who are like really just a weird bunch of people. 
and it just undercuts like the seriousness in such a cool way. And I thought the music was the same. Like the music, they could have gone like really tribal, sort of um, serious, like dark, sort of um, more like bass and cello and stuff like that. But they decided to go for like more of this like space cowboy sort of stuff. Yeah, a lot of synthesizers and and really you you said it right, like futuristic stuff or yeah. stuff that really sounds like seventies Pink Floyd music. Yeah, yeah. right. Hmm. Yeah. So. Um, I just really enjoyed it and not enough to probably wa- like listen to it just outside of the movie, but just pairing it with the movie, it was just like a really good, just like a, wa- like a nice wine and a cheese. It was just, hmm. it just went together. So cool. Have you guys noticed Taika uh, in the movie? Yeah, it was the pastor, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the um, pastor, yeah. He's got a funny Z, right? I don't know. Maybe it's the accent, but I don't know. Something, something with it, the Z. Hmm. I think I it's a notice. little bit for effect, but. Yeah, hmm. I, I like that, like, bit of a segue, but I, I do like that he's a New Zealand um, director and they sort of set it in New Zealand. They had a lot of New Zealand cast and yeah. stuff like that. It was like, it felt like a bit of like a... A local project, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like a local project, but it was obviously, it had like a big sort of, not a big budget, but a big sort of um, production um, value to it, you know? So, yeah. like, I... I think we might have mentioned this before, but I've seen Taika Waititi like all the time, like just maybe because like he's, you know, in the Australian media quite a bit, and he was hanging out with um, Chris Hemsworth when he did Thor three. I don't know if you guys have seen Thor three. Yeah, I think you have. Yeah, I have. You have? Okay. Um, yeah. Like I sort of have mixed feelings about that movie because I felt like. It was, again, it was undercutting what could have been a serious movie with comedic effect. And yeah. Like, I really thought the comedic effect was great. Like, the, it was a very fun, very, very funny movie. But I didn't think that's what they should have gone for. Yeah. It was like, I felt like that sort of, it's a good example compared to this because it sort of undercut the serious of the movie in a way which I kind of didn't like as much. Yeah. Like, I still like the movie, and in fact, I think it might be probably the best Thor movie. But it's maybe if you just toned it down a little bit, or not toned it down, but just, like, picked your moments a little bit better. And I feel like with The Hunt for the Wilder People, it's like, it's like Thor 3 again, except they just did it perfectly like it's yeah, it's, it totally works it's, um it just totally works yeah so now i i was makes me even like thor 3 a little bit more now because i'm thinking well i know what they were going for you know and a new director to marvel which is um, like they were already 18 17 movies in <laughs> like you got to respect how much of a pivot and how successful the pivot was like he he did a 180 degree pivot with Thor and 170 degrees was perfect. And it was just like the last temp, which just wasn't quite like didn't seek the landing a hundred percent. But yeah. so I, 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 I watched Thor three this week actually just to like see what I thought. And my, my appreciation for that movie went up quite a bit just after seeing what he can actually do like in different films. And mm. I know this isn't even the first film from, Taika, like Taika's big film before was What We Do in the Shadows, and that was like a breakout hit for him. So after that, he's just gone on this massive sort of spree of movies, which to say, like, not to hype him up too much, but it's like his own brand of movies, you know? Like, you could yeah. put them all into like a, 
a box set and say like Taika Waititi movies, you know, because it's yeah, like definitely. he's got such a distinct style. And if you don't like that style, then maybe it's not for you. But people who do are going to be able to like watch Thor three and say, oh, that was awesome. Now I can watch, you know, Hunt for the Wilder People or anything else that he does. So he's really branded himself to be like um, this really sort of interesting comedy sort of not drama comedy sort of action action comedy sort of thing i think you can say some drama because i haven't seen boy or shark versus eagle but it takes like really serious um subjects and yeah and he kind of tackles them in a comedic way but yeah but they have more deeper feelings you know yeah because that's that might be the thing thor 3 i feel like didn't have the deeper feeling i it had a little bit of course like, it was not like there was nothing of any substance but no felt like a big rock band song without the bass line. It was just like, oh, this is really cool. But it's like, if you listen to it a few times, you kind of get bored because you don't have that like rumbling bass. But this one had that deeper theme, which kind of tied everything together, which I don't think Thor had. If you'd create like this Taika Waititi DVD collection, the full collection, would you include um, Thor 3? Because like, obviously he directed it and in a way it's his movie, but it's, Marvel's movie, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would I would include it. You know, I probably wouldn't. Because, like, if you look at the movies he has, Thor 3 would stick out like a, like a sore thumb. Sore thumb. <laughs> so... <laughs> like a Thor. <laughs> <laughs> like a Thor. <laughs> 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 uh. Yeah, but you're right. Like, um, <laughs> what we do in the shadows was a one point six million dollar movie. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People was two and a half million. Then you have Thor Ragnarok, which was a hundred and eighty million dollars. And then what? the next movie, yeah, seventy times, seventy two times more than uh, the Hunt for the Wilder People. And then um, you have Jojo Rabbit, which is, you know, a fairly big movie, and it's fourteen million dollars again. Like, uh, it's more than Hunt, but. Just fourteen million dollars compared to one hundred and eighty million dollars for Thor. That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Jojo Rabbit? No, I I totally plan to though. I wanted to watch it this week, but I sort of wanted to have this conversation first, just because yeah, yeah. it's fun to sort of have like what you guys think about it, and like even with the Star Wars, which you we were going into before Barrio, it's kind of like I could have watched Jojo Rabbit, but it's so much more interesting to learn about like. Taika Waititi and then go and watch it so yeah um, it's funny uh, we watched Hunt for the Wilder People this last couple of weeks and my girlfriend uh, has told me about what we do in the shadows um, for, for years now I think like I, I heard that name so many times and just last week I think they had a special one-off screening of that movie like they never showed that movie in Israel in a, in a theater and this, I don't know, a, a movie critic guy from Israel, he got the movie for a special screening. So we went and watched it. Barrio came along with us. And I love that movie. And now I plan to watch Jojo Rabbit. And like, honestly, I'm re- very interested in the earlier movies he made. Like I watch a lot of interviews about the earlier movies he made. And somehow it became from Hunt for the Wilder People uh, week into Taika Waititi week. And now <laughs> like I kind of feel like I have a new... I don't know, point of interest that I'm going to yeah. follow and, and dig into. Like, I'm really interested in his stuff. Yeah, now. definitely. I, I can really join into that because I saw Jojo Rabbit. Then, like, I think a day or two after I went with you to see the uh, what we do in the shadows. Um, I think a day after I saw, I, I saw um, The Hunt for the Wilder People. And 
just yesterday I sat and saw like the I think the the last um, episode in the Mandalorian season and the, you know the first credits uh, title is just like director Taika Waititi <laughs> and I was like oh wow this oh, is really? yeah oh yeah so, and 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 I really like that episode by the way I think I think you can really feel really feel him there. It's like you really burst into our lives. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yes, yeah. Th- that was definitely the theme of my uh, culture in this week. <laughs> this is so cool. Like, I can't wait to see. Um, I'm going to see Jojo Rabbit um, probably. Um, we've got a long weekend here in Australia. Happy Australia Day to um, everyone. We'll, oh, yeah. Um, this will this will release <laughs> a little bit um, after. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we're recording this on Australia Day, but it'll come out like a month late. So we hope you <laughs> yeah, had a happy Australian so. Day, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just can't wait. I'll probably go this this weekend to see Jojo Rabbit, and then um, I'll probably next movie night, you know, when I go over to a friend's house or something, we're scrolling through Netflix, seeing what to watch. It'll probably be um, what we do in the shadows. Cool. Yeah. Maybe maybe uh, next episode at the beginning we can talk a bit about Jojo Rabbit, assuming you both see it, because I think I think it's it's really cool. worth discussing. It's such a cute movie. We we talked about doing a full episode about Jojo Rabbit, but like uh, we we decided not to because I think a lot of other podcasts would talk about it. So we decided to do something a bit different, kind of kind of stick out a bit. This was meant to be the Jojo Rabbit episode, but yeah, um, exactly because it was in cinemas, we just. Like we sort of wanted to allow people to sort of like rent it out and like watch yeah. it and maybe have it just to watch again or something like that. Like we didn't want to do something that was sort of just only in cinemas. But um, if you guys want to lock it in, I'd, I'd be so keen to do a um, Jojo Rabbit opening segment next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. 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 Well, that's just to show how how Taika Waititi like really captured our imagination, kind of captured our interest. Yeah, definitely. This is such a good like result. In terms of like the um, like what we set this podcast up to do, it was basically just to find diamonds in the rough. You know, it was just yeah. to find something that we didn't know existed, like a world which we didn't know existed, and sort of immerse ourselves into it. And we went into thinking we'd go into um, hunt for the wilder people, but we ended up going into Taika Watiti world. So. Yeah, um, yeah, that that's awesome. Yeah, this is awesome. That's awesome, really. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's like a a huge win to just you know instead of enjoying one one movie, just you know opening yourself to a brand new world. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Um, just just you know to summarize, I kind of thought like I had a very fun time watching this movie. Um, it's a movie I waited to watch because, like I said, my girlfriend kind of told me about it a while ago and. Uh, it was always in my head. And like when, when we started this podcast, I made a, a list of potential subjects we can talk about. You can view it on our website. It's linked down, like right at the bottom of the page. And I think that's one of the first things I put there because like I sat down and I wanted to, I thought, what 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 am I planning to watch? What am I planning to, to, to listen to and stuff like that? And that's one of the first things that popped into my head. And like, even before we started the, the podcast, I think, Peter, you commented on that file and said like, oh, Taika Waititi, that, that should be interesting. And like, I'm really happy we got to do it now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is something we had to hit on. I don't think we could have gone too many more episodes without sort of hitting up Taika Waititi and it over-delivered. It, it like, from what, everything I've seen online about Taika Waititi, it overpromised and it overdelivered, like the best, <laughs> the best possible um, combination. So we went in like with one movie, and we've come out with not just 
Jojo Rabbit and um, Hunt for Wilder People and What We Do in the Shadows, but he's still very young. So we've got another at least 20 years of Taika to come. So Knocking on wood. <laughs> it should be interesting to see not just what he's releasing out, but how he changes over the years. So yeah, when we're really old, we can one day come back and say, oh, I remember his... Um, his early days when he was still doing Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> yeah, and that will be a vintage movie then, you know, and we will but just be old grumps. <laughs> like we said, it was it was a great experience. I think, like, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's it's kind of important to say that it's not like groundbreaking work. It's not um, not it's not something very deep and life changing or or something like that. But it's like the lighthearted movies that you would want to see and, and, you know, have a good time and, and just enjoy yourself. I don't know. I think, I think we're, we're kind of missing a lot of, of that in the, in the scenery um, because like a lot of yeah. movies are very heavy, you know, either big dramas or superhero movies and, and like everything is big and grandiose and stuff like that. And like having those small um fun movies with with a smile i don't know that what got me with uh with Tycho. like it didn't have a huge message or anything it was just a good yeah. movie that's like good directing i guess um you can take yeah. like pretty much any script even if it's not like the most complicated one just make a good movie out of it oh i think he actually wrote it as well he was um writer and director so do you know it was based on a book yeah, I signed the, I signed the credits. Um, it's like something that yeah. is completely completely different. Wild Pork and Watercress yeah. by, from um, 1986 by Barry Crump. And like, I think it's the, the first script he ever wrote or one of the first scripts he ever wrote, but like he felt like it's not ready. So he did the first movie and then he came back to it and it wasn't ready. So he did another movie, came back to it. And, and finally, like after a while, he kind of figured out that he's trying to do a different thing from the book. Like he ended up taking bits and parts that suited the story he wanted to tell and then he filled the gaps. So like the book and the movie are a bit different, kind of the same premise, but very different, you know? Cool. Cool. So um, next episode, it's going to be a journey log, a, a culture quest special Ooh. is what I'm calling it. Uh, episode 10 like uh, at first i thought we'll do this kind of journey log every 10 episodes kind of you know um sit back and enjoy what we've done and kind of summarize the last leg of the quest but i don't know i don't think we'll do it every 10 episodes but because it's episode 10 i kind of wanted to celebrate uh so i i made a little quiz about our previous episodes um mm -hmm. i'll ask you it's not a hard quiz like uh, i don't think you'll find it hard at all. I thought it was a fine way to kind of summarize everything and we'll kind of talk about each and every episode we've done so far, uh, what we've learned from it and what we make of the quest so far. I, I think it's going to be a great time. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Who thought we'd make it to 10? Yeah, right? 10 episodes, one uh, every couple of weeks. So that's 20 weeks we're going now. So, which is, I, I find it impressive. Like, how, where, where did the time go, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. Now, we hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. See ya. See ya. Hello my lovelies, my name is Chantelle and I'm the host over at Lady Justice True Crime. 
Lady Justice is a weekly podcast that covers fascinating cases, both past and present, from around the UK and Ireland. Some of them are strange, many are unbelievable, all of them are completely unique and are someone's story. So please come join me on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.